Hello, everyone, and welcome to Nerd Alert. Hey, everyone. How's it going? I am your host, Bridget. And I am Jen the Glamorous. Hello. <laughs> you are. And I'm Maddie. And just here. Yes. <laughs> Thank, you guys. <laughs> Thank you guys so much for, for joining us today. Uh, we are very excited to, to be doing this episode. Um, so I've been waiting too long <laughs> to watch the first ever Spider-Man movie ever made by yes. uh, well, with Tobey Maguire and Sam Raimi. And I'm ashamed of myself and I've been ashamed of myself, but I decided oh, to make an event of it. <laughs> um, <laughs> and I told these gals that I wanted to do a full-blown Spider-Man marathon comparing the first of each of the iterations of Peter Parker's Spider-Man because I thought it'd be fun and it definitely was um, oh yeah so oh, yeah the results mm-hmm. of our comparisons and our experiences of these movies is actually pretty surprising mm-hmm. yeah like we each had our own uh, preconception of what to expect because like unlike Bridget, Maddie and I had actually seen the first Spider-Man plus The Amazing Spider-Man and Homecoming. Right. But we already knew what to expect. And yet rewatching these, we all had so many opinions that were different from what we initially started with. It was actually very fascinating. Yeah, it was it was very much a wild ride. And oh, I'll just just for, you know, clarification's sake, we just watched the first of each of these movies. Um so we didn't watch Spider-Man 2 or Amazing Spider-Man 2, or Spider-Man Far From Home. Right. Um, no sequels. Yes. So, Sorry, folks. No sequels. Yeah, no, so that's not going to be... Just because that would have involved, you know, a whole week of watching. Well, maybe a whole weekend, at least. And we don't have time for that, so... <laughs> no. No. <laughs> Sorry. But, you know, so we just watched the first of those movies, so just for clarification. So we're we're going to not really bring up the sequels in terms of our conversation, um, other than maybe the occasional mention, but that's... This is pretty much just a comparison... For the the movie, the first movies as standalones. Yeah, yeah, they had their one shot. The sequels will fix nothing. Right, no <laughs> redemption, no redemption. Exactly, exactly. Yeah. So, um, yeah. So we're gonna start off w- with the first one, and we we decided to nickname it Spider Toby just for yes. ease of <laughs> clarification. Honestly, three different Spider Men, three different Parkers. It it just it got it got confusing. Yeah, it was, just, it was the name of the character, it was the name of the movie. It's just like, okay, it's Spider-Toby. It's fine. Spider-Toby. Yes. The one that started it all, folks. Spider-Man yeah, 2002, directed by Sam Raimi. Bridget, yeah. I'm still very disappointed that you never watched this. That, that was like a staple for my childhood. Okay, but I feel like for the sake of this podcast, it's actually pretty useful. Because you guys watched it when you were younger, but I bring a different perspective as someone who's watching it for the first time. That's you know, true. As someone That's in their 20s. Boom. So validated validated (laughs) (laughs) all right so as i mentioned it was a staple for childhood maddie Mm. i'm not quite sure about how much of a staple it was for you but wow that was like yeah that was like a movie i watched religiously the moment (laughs) i got it on vhs i was in love I remember watching it in the theater with my parents, my sister. I can't remember if she was with me or not. She was too young at the time, though, for sure. But I remember like leaving excited, like, yes, superheroes. Yes. And considering I was in like a Powerpuff Girl frenzy at the time, too, it just meshed right into my interests. Awesome. 
And like I would watch it repeatedly over the years on VHS. And then, of course, when it popped up on TV, when The Amazing Spider-Man came out, I was a part of me was just like, wait, what? You can't replace Tobey Maguire? You know, so a lot of nostalgia. Rewatching it again actually proved very surprising. Like, let's just say seven year old me has a different take than what 24 year old me currently has on it. Mm-hmm. Don't get me wrong, I still love it because it is literally the one that started it all. This movie was the first live action Marvel movie. Sony Pictures were like, you know what? We got something good here. Let's give it a shot. And watching the movie, you can tell it was from the early 2000s, but man, they still pretty pretty much did their best and they did pretty well. This particular film actually seemed geared more towards kids. When you notice, like, the very subtle adult humor and the innuendos and everything. But when you think about it, the humor for the spider Toby is very more uh, child-appropriate, I guess. Yeah. And the series of events that happen in the movie seem to skip around the way a child can absorb the information. Like, I'm pretty sure adults and young adults and teenagers liked it, too. Don't get me wrong. But this was definitely geared more towards the child that is just getting into superheroes and then you've got the adults who are like oh yeah i used to read those comics then you've got superhero lovers who are like wait what's spider-man who's spider-man man Man, i don't know what this is but this is awesome you know so for some this was like their first foray into the superhero genre Mm -hmm. and for the most part they did a pretty stellar job considering it was 2002 because seriously when you look at it you're just like oh yeah they could have they could have done this better that better Uh, Spider-Toby tried to follow through with the comics, not all the way through, but there's definitely a lot that they took from Stan Lee's comics that they put onto the big screen. And honestly, it was a pretty stellar movie, although to my surprise, Bridget and Maddie pointed out a bunch of things that actually had me (laughs) realizing, like, wait a minute. Then there goes the the windows crashing in my head, like, wait, what? (laughs) Yeah, we heavily critique this film. <laughs> Where do we begin on the Heavy critiquing? critiquing. <laughs> Bridget, do you want to start? <laughs> I wanted to like this movie more than I did. Yeah. <laughs> and I'm really sorry to say that. I'm sorry. Um, it's okay. Think- you just broke the hearts of so many, like, seven-year-olds just like me. It, it, it's fine. <laughs> Yeah, no, my my thing is, it was just so corny, Um, like the dialogue and, um, you know, and this part's not being fair, perhaps, but in terms of even on some level, like the costuming and like uh, the way people looked and and everything, I don't, it felt a little cheesy cornball, but like, it's also like such an old movie. I don't think I can really blame it for that part, but the corny dialogue, corny dialogue is not like you know based on the times it's it's just corny um basically yeah so that's like what that felt like for me um you know watching it was kind of like oh you know uh because you know to give this movie the credit that it is due you know it's it was a you know an important superhero film that came out before iron man like long before iron man you know and that that in itself deserves recognition and you know to see like, the effort that went into the special effects and, like, you know, into, you know, bringing a, a comic book character to life as a first foray. I mean, not the first one, but I feel like the first more, like, modern one, if that right. makes sense. 
Yeah, first yeah. Marvel one for sure, because DC like managed to s- squeeze out a few Superman and Batman movies by then. But Marvel, this this was their first. I think our, our, I think Marvel may have released um, a, a, what is it, X-Men movie before this, but I could be wrong. I can't remember quite what the timeline is, but Spider-Man was definitely the staple for, as you said, Bridget, more modern superheroes. Yes, I agree with that. Yeah, Batman and Superman came out like, wow, what, World War One, World War Two era? Oh, gee, I don't even know. <laughs> I don't know. Either way, you're right. Spider-Man yeah. is definitely one of the more modern superheroes and is now one of the more iconic superheroes. When people think superheroes, yeah, they'll think like Superman and Batman, but now Spider-Man comes to mind too, whereas it wouldn't have like two decades ago. Yeah. Yeah, so I, I do want to give honor to this movie, even if I had problems with it. Um. <laughs> <laughs> problems. There is a yeah. list of notes here that I can't wait for you guys to dig into that I wonder if other fans listening will be like, hey, yeah, huh? or finally someone noticed that. Yeah, I think for me, like one thing I would have to say in, in like kind of in line with what Bridget was saying about the dialogue is how nerdy and like cliche most of the things that that's come out it of cliche yeah cliche, yeah it's like everything that mj or him says or even like any of them they all say exactly what you're expecting them to say in that situation instead of it being like sort of a seat like a, a mystery or, or there's no intrigue involved it's like it's all very cliche and it, it it's very um stereotypical of whoever their role is oh yeah. i just yeah yeah I wanna, I wanna talk. I forgot to write this in the show notes, but the I from the opening line of this movie actually, it told me what I was actually in for. Uh, <laughs> what was that? Oh, the narration, correct? Yes, the narration. Oh. Um, where, not not having narration, but what the narration said, it was like you know, like all good stories, it's about a girl, and I was like, oh. Uh, here we go here we go which we will talk about later (laughs) right but i just wanted to point it out now because that was the first moment where i was like whoa wait a minute (laughs) this guy is just gonna be thinking about like a girl this whole thing is about a girl it's not like i don't know especially for the movie that the only one of the three movies that actually directly quotes the great power and great responsibility line exactly it was really surprising to me that it opens with with such a like smarmy teenager thing to say, which he is a teenager, but it felt so like gooey and mm-hmm. also reductive, um, you know, and heteronormative. <laughs> yeah. Yep. Yep. So, you know, it just like, it just bugged me for that already. And I was like, okay, we're going to brush that aside. But then it, it just, it sort of set the tone. It really did. It really did. Because like, as much as I love the movie and have nostalgia, you're right. That line where he says, like every great story, it starts with a girl. That literally is a summary of the movie in that one sentence. Yeah. I think it's also like known. You know, we know that Peter has a love interest through the comics, through the all the shows and the movies. Like it's pretty evident that there's a love interest no matter what. We don't have to state it because it's there in the scenes. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you yeah. know, it's like that shouldn't have been the focal point of the of the introduction of Peter's story, especially being that this is an introduction to Marvel 
you know, live action films, like you said. So <laughs> it, it just really cheapened the whole thing, I think. <laughs> That's what it is. It felt like it, it was cheapening everything. Mm-hmm. Like Peter's character arc and also like MJ as a person, as a character. I don't know. Unfortunately, yeah. yeah. Actually, this film, I think MJ's role has been the least, um, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Progressive. Yeah, and it just wasn't, like, surprising. There was nothing about it that changed my, you know, like, there was no supportive role, really, of her other than being the girl that gets saved and screams and then kisses him, and then that's it. And she falls in love. Like, there's, it's pretty, it's extra disappointing when you think of her, how she is in the comics, too. She's way more, yeah, way more and- involved and mm-hmm. like, smarter. <laughs> yes, basically. Unfortunately, they did water her down as the love interest, which the love mm-hmm. interest isn't a bad archetype. It truly isn't. But if that's yeah. all the character is, then wow. Okay, we're getting into into <laughs> too much of this topic. Sorry. So we're, we're going to touch on this more later. But that was just... Just something from like initial dr- knee jerk reaction. Oh yeah, this was something I noticed. Um, it was it was interesting how Peter, when he like you see it gets a close up to his fingers, you see little barbs coming out of his fingers, and that's how he oh, can yeah. kind of fall. Which explained yeah. so much for me about Spider Man because I was like, I know he has sticky fingers, but I'm not sure how that works. Like, how does it? How does that work through his suit? Like, yeah. what is how does the stickiness function? And and then so that like visual, I was like. Oh, okay. It's the little bars, like sort of like the spider's little bars, and that's how it comes up. The it, like, expl- I was like literally pic- picturing it, like you know, like sticky tape on his fingers. You know what I? Mean? <laughs> this movie just helped you out there. And then Bridget, <laughs> Bridget and Jen and I all laughed when Harry goes, "Dad, is that you?" <laughs> During the film. I- yeah, yeah. So um, this was the setup for this was that um, <laughs> Harry's walking into up the big steps of this empty, gigantic mansion, and yeah. like echoing from the walls, this crazy, this evil, maniacal laughter. There's like, <laughs> you know, and yeah. and like with this evil laugh, and then Harry immediately asks, "Dad, is that you?" <laughs> Like he's used to hearing his dad laugh like that. Like, is that evil laugh you, Dad? His first one is, "Dad, is that you?" Yeah, (laughs) you know. (laughs) Yeah, he's like laughing to himself in a giant house, and he's like, "Dad." (laughs) I can't unsee that now. He's either really dumb, or he knows something about his dad that we don't. Yeah, no, I mean, poor Harry, poor Norman, even on a different level, just to have that snap mentally so outside of his control. Yeah. Um, but, you know, it, it was just, like, so bizarre that he didn't ask, like, wait, who's there? You know, but it's like, no, it's Dad, right? <laughs> you? Yeah. yeah, like, Dad? Yeah, it's probably Dad. <laughs> Evil laughter equals Dad. Um, oh, also... Why does everyone in this movie say, don't tell Harry? Like, why can't Harry know anything? Everyone, yeah. They're like, oh, don't tell Harry about that. (laughs) Don't tell Harry. Don't tell Harry about the relationship he and I have because he should have told you since you're his best friend. Yeah, and don't tell Harry that I'm a waitress because I'm ashamed of myself. Yeah. Oh, and don't tell Harry that I'm a homicidal guy who who killed all kinds of people, including your girlfriend. (laughs) 
you know, don't don't tell him, even though I'm dying. That's my dying yeah. wish. Don't don't tell him. Yeah, there's multiple scenes where they're like, don't tell Harry, okay? And we're like, okay, why can't Harry know anything? <laughs> Yo, communication is key. Come on now. This film, Harry and Peter don't have like a real friendship. Yeah, which we'll we'll touch on that later. Um Oh, yeah. All right. So I think that's it for for Spy- uh, Spider Toby. I still love it, even though I'm taking all these criticisms into mind and I now can't rewatch it without thinking of these criticisms, but I still love it. <laughs> I still love it. Good My childhood is still alive. Good for you. <laughs> Yay. Next movie. Next movie. So the next film we watched was The Amazing Spider-Man. Um Andrew Garfield, oh my god! Andrew Garfield, and um, I think you know one of the things that we noticed about this, and and maybe Bridget can touch on this more later too, is and because I think this ended up being one of our more um, we we favored this Spider Man version the more, but um, it just seemed true more to who Spider Man is supposed to be. Um, Overall, we kind of enjoyed the. A series of events in this film better um but one of the first things that we noticed um that was different in just the opening part of this film was the comparison of oscorp and how uh peter clearly has like no friends in this film and <laughs> until he, until like gwen starts to talk to him and so we there's really no tie like for him for harry or any other friend to oscorp oscorp is now you know tied to spider-man through his dad um and his science and his research that took place before him and his mom disappeared um and so oscorp has like really nothing to do with with um peter other than through his father and we see like the connection with him and, and dr connors later um but then also one of the things that um, I noted about this film was that there was like that love at first sight between Peter and Dr. Connors. Uh, <laughs> one of the, one of the bromances that are, that occurred in all these films. Um, and it's probably one of the better bromances, but they, they really pick each other's brains and Dr. Connors just sees Peter like kind of going on about the genetic research that he's doing and he's answering all the questions correctly. And he's just like, ah, the whole time in his eyes, he's just looking yes. at Peter. Um, so I think in this film, Peter's, um, like sort of, what's the word? Um, like his desire to be involved in science and to continue his father's research and to find out more about his father, um, is more exaggerated in this film. The, the whole like photographer thing, you don't really see that, (laughs) Um, and so that this film opens up with that, with him being super into Oscorp and super like intrigued by all the science factors and all of the, you know, the, in his, his, you know, potential role and all of that. But yeah. Um, another thing to note about the amazing Spider-Man is the maturity of Peter in this film. I just feel like, like, Especially, it hit it hit me the most when he was saving that kid from the the car that was on fire. Oh, that was and a great scene. He's like talking him through that whole situation, and he's like, you know, and, and and all of his little snarky remarks and things like that against the teachers and against people who are like trying to get at him at school or even at home. Like he always has these really witty remarks and stuff, and then he has he has like the intelligence and the maturity to help his boy 
get out of that car and not do it in a panic mode you know and he's just like so calm and collected when everything happens and it just seems like a kid his age or the age that he's supposed to be you know it's really hard to believe that he's that mature (laughs) for that age um and there's a lot of maturity in him and then even in the toby Maguire um spider-man you know that you see that is kind of like oh would a would a high school kid really think like this you know making a lot of these adult decisions and some of it doesn't make sense for the you know a guy their age I, I think he's supposed to be you know either a junior or a senior in the amazing spider-man um, yeah because i don't remember does he graduate in that movie he graduates in the second one. Oh, okay yeah so like he's close to it then yeah but it just seems like you know me being having been a teenager and having seen you know modern teenagers and it just didn't <laughs> seem reasonable that like a kid who's 17 or 18 years old maybe 16 even would be mature enough to do all that so it just seems like there's a lot about his character that um you know kind of bleeds through his decision processes um in this yeah film, you know what i mean yeah honestly i loved andrew garfield's interpretation of him you know yeah I never realized how mature he was because granted like when the amazing spider-man first came out i like i liked it but i wasn't thrilled about it like i think yeah. it was partial bias because i was still like how could you replace toby mcguire <laughs> but also because i think this movie came out in 2012 so like at the time i wasn't even interested in movies much anymore i was just trying to get my head above water in high school you know yeah. So bad timing and everything, but now rewatching it, I realized just how good this one was. Yeah. I just think they did a really good job of like developing the characters in this film better, you know, than than the other one because it seemed like oh, yeah. a better opener and a and, you know, we get to see like Peter's parents at the beginning and how that whole thing goes down. Like why did they go missing? <laughs> you know, we still don't know that answer, but we we at least know that like, okay, that he was left with Aunt May and Uncle Ben. We see that whole scene take place and there's just a lot more like buildup to the climactic moments and the important moments. Yeah. That I think was just missing from the Tobey Maguire Spider-Man, but you know, it, it's also years later and, and there's a lot more development and, you know, graphics help. <laughs> oh, big time. You know, it makes it more interesting and stuff. So yeah, this movie came out 10 years after the Tobey Maguire movie. There was a lot yeah. of graphic design and technology advancements. Plus, the MCU actually got started with Iron Man and had a couple of films under their belt already. Right. So it got, it got to learn a little bit from its predecessors, so to speak. Yeah. Definitely a, a lot more depth to this Peter Parker. He's not just going after a girl. This is a kid who just wants to kind of fit in, get through high school, avoid the bullies. You know, and figure out why his parents left and never came back. Yeah. yeah. Also, uh, Mark Webb, honorable mention, is the director of The Amazing Spider-Man. And can I say, with that last name, he was born to do that. <laughs> yes, yes, <laughs> he, he was. He was born to be the director of Spider-Man. I mean, come on. And he did a <laughs> darn good job at it. Yeah, he did. Yes, Mark Webb. Yes. Yes, we. I. It's yes. been. It's long overdue. I haven't seen this movie since I saw it in the theater years ago. But like, and at the time, I didn't appreciate you, Mark Webb. But actually, you did a pretty good job. <laughs> you did. Congrats. All right. Um, 
So next up, then, we got Spider-Man Homecoming. Um, yes, L mini... I don't know if I want to call it a shout-out. No, thing I noticed uh, was when I when we rented the movie on Amazon, and it was the link automatically generated, like, you know, Spider-Man Homecoming dash Robert Downey Jr. And I'm like, really? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Wow. I yep. thought that was crazy. Even in the link, he takes over. <laughs> He's literally in like every Marvel, almost every Marvel film. Even in mentioning, and then there he is just popping up like, oh, uh -huh. yeah, okay, man. Um, yeah, I think um, my, well, our general thoughts about this Spider-Man, it's, it's more like how we imagine Spider-Man would behave as a young high school boy. Yeah. Um, it's just yeah. a little, it's more... In general, it's more frolicsome uh, and happy-go-lucky sort of thing. Um, you know, it's very youthful. It's a very youthful tone and yeah. very lighthearted. Um, you know, that's kind of like the most that I, I I noticed about it. And like, I remember when I first saw the film, I remember appreciating like uh, thinking like, oh, you know, after seeing all these seasoned Avengers and all, you know, the MCU movies, it's kind of nice to see you know, this kid, like, falling into the pool and falling off a roof and just, like, kind of bumbling through yeah. it. Even, even though he has <laughs> yeah. done this for a little while, it's he's not still totally there. He doesn't have full control over his limbs. Um, right. Yeah. Plus, you know, and, suburbia compared to the city, you know? Right. Yeah. That was That's actually interesting. It's a slightly different setting for him, um, it feels like. And yeah, geographically. Yeah, and his his motivation is so different. You know, it's like in the first one, it was the girl. Second one, it was like finding out about my parents. Yeah. Um, and revenge for Uncle Ben, and then um, and this one, it's like I want to be an Avenger. <laughs> you know? Oh my gosh, yes. Um, so I just found that interesting and 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 kind of funny. Um, but you know, something that gets me about this movie is like all the lessons that Peter learns, he does on his own. You know, Tony is no Uncle Ben. I'm sorry to say it, but um, you know, I don't think anyone would argue that. Uh, maybe some Tony stands will, but um, <laughs> you know, it, it's like his instruction is don't do anything I would do, don't do anything I wouldn't do. It's a very fine gray area you're working on. And I'm just like, yeah, cool. Mm -hmm. um, but like basically everything that Peter learns, it's like from his own self introspection. And not really anything that, like, his mentor, you know, uh, taught him, really, I feel like. Um, yeah, the only real thing Tony provided was the suit. Right, and then yeah. took away that suit and made him go back to the beginning and remember that it's about himself and his own courage and ability, which, you know, um, I think he already had, you know, before he was brought in for Civil War. It's just this whole thing. Um, yeah. But, uh you know, um, I I really do love Tom Holland's portrayal of him. Like he's just so he's so sweet, and I just love. And this whole movie <laughs> is just like so sweet, and like yes. um, it's just the you know lighter fare, um, and it's fun. It's a fun time. Yeah, yeah, I would agree with that. So much fun. A lot more lighthearted. Yeah, that's that's a biggie right there. Yeah, let's see. Um, so I think I think right now let's go, let's go into the overall story for each of these films and our reactions to them. How do they play out as stories, yeah. as films? Yeah, I think for me, like I had mentioned before, it was kind of hard to follow the Tobey Maguire film 
um, simply because it was just jumping all over the place from scene to scene, you know, no explanations or backstories or character development for a couple different things. You know, we don't see a lot of things that make sense. <laughs> and, and it does seem geared towards kids. It is still, I want to mention, it is still highly amusing. I still love the film. I watched it over and over and over again as a kid. Um, I watched all of the Spider-Man movies, one, you know, one through three or whatever it was until they like ousted Tobey Maguire, which is a whole other like story, but (laughs) (laughs) Um, (laughs) they were so upset with the way that Spider-Man three ended. But anyway, don't want to go into that. Um, Nope. But anyway, the, the film just overall seemed to not have enough of that. It didn't have enough luster as far as the writing goes. Um, in the amazing spider-man it was more realistic i think um oh yeah the, definitely you know graphics were better score was better it, I, I wouldn't say score is better it's just more emotional oh and yeah and then um you know the his relationship with the scientist and do, or dr connor's rather and you know his relationship with gwen and her family and then his own family with you know aunt may and uncle ben it, all of it just seemed to make more sense. And um, like when Uncle Ben dies, the guy runs out and, you know, it's similar, similar situation to the Tobey Maguire film. But overall, like, I think we just see a more realistic, more um, accurate depiction of how the events take place and like that origin story of Peter, you know, and, and, yeah. and how he becomes who he's meant to be and, and all that. Um, and as Bridget said, you know, Homecoming is just more of a fun, um, humorous, action-packed MCU film. You know, Tom Holland is the cutie, and and he just kind of represents that whole um, coming-of-age moment, kind of. But I think he still has a way to go. <laughs> um, <laughs> but, in, like, overall story-wise, um, we you know, we see that they develop the characters a little bit more and we see, although I don't think they talk much about how he ends up with Aunt May and Homecoming. Um, we don't really get that part of the story. But no. Peter no, is, no. you know, Peter's, it's more about Peter and his um, character and his like, you know, relation to Spider-Man and who he, who he wants to be. <laughs> yeah. So, as far as like the storyline and, and where, what direction they're going in, it, it did make sense and it did have a good flow to it. Yeah. All three were different, but they all had something to offer. That was pretty awesome. Yeah. You know, another thing that these movies had in common were aunt May and uncle Ben, which I would have been disappointed if one of those would have screwed that up. That is like, they are the constant in the Spider-Man series, you know? Yeah. Well, like, except for Homecoming, though. Yeah, yeah. It's, just, it's just not me. <laughs> yeah, that's that's something we gotta mention too. That Homecoming starts differently from where uh, Amazing Spider-Man and Tobey uh, Maguire's version were. Like they started from the very beginning. Whereas when we're first introduced to Tom Holland Spider-Man, he had already been doing the vigilante thing, you know, with his own suit before Tony scoops yeah. him up to play soldier, you know. Yeah. So I thought that was an interesting thing to do for that the MCU did because like at this point we all we all know by now what happened. We all know that this kid gets bitten by a radioactive spider. He loses Uncle Ben, which drives him towards becoming a superhero. We've seen that already. 
And I think the MCU wanted to kind of skip over that just because, again, we as fans, we knew that story. We knew it back in 2002. We knew it again, not even that long ago in what, 2012, I think is when Amazing Spider-Man came out. And yet here we are in 2016 with the new Spider-Man. That wasn't much of a gap this time around. So I'm guessing then they're like, okay, we know. I noticed though, like in um, Captain America Civil War, even though Peter doesn't outright mention his Uncle Ben, I think he does make a comment to Tony that kind of refers to what happened to Uncle Ben. Like, even if he doesn't name names, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. It, interesting to know that in the Tobey Maguire version, Uncle Ben and Aunt May are an older couple, you know? And from Uncle Ben, he has the whole phrase that we all know and love. With great power comes great responsibility. Now, that is true mentoring right there. Sorry, Tony, but man, that, that's a good line. Yeah. You know, and we see Peter and Aunt May grieving for Uncle Ben, even though there's, you know, no funeral for some reason, even though we get one for Norman Osborn. Okay, that's fine. Logic. And then in The Amazing Spider-Man, you know, Uncle Ben and Aunt May are still old, but they're still slightly younger than uh, 2002's version. Right. And Uncle Ben, I think, was a little tougher this time around, like Martin Sheen's uh, portrayal of him. He had more tough love to give, I guess. Yeah. And I'd like to point out right here, right now, he doesn't get a funeral either. Like, I mean, you got Captain Stacy who gets a funeral, but why doesn't he get a funeral? Why, why doesn't Uncle Ben ever get a funeral? Why doesn't he get a funeral? Why doesn't Black Widow get a funeral? What is wrong with these people? Yeah, come on, Marvel. Come on, Marvel. These are the people who need a funeral. No offense to Captain Stacy. He deserved one, but come on now. Come on. Still. <clears throat> Anyways, um, I, I kind of lost it there. Um, and, you know, in the first two Spider-Man movies, Peter, like, lets the guy who kills his uncle get away. Like, he chases after both of, in both versions of the movie, and he accidentally gets the first one killed in the Tobey Maguire one, you know? Wasn't his intention, of course, but you know, still happens. And then in, in The Amazing Spider-Man, he never catches him. That's yeah. kind of crazy. And I don't think that was ever resolved in the second Amazing Spider-Man, unless I'm missing something. Well, even so, like, we're again, we're watching it as the standalone movie, right? Like, it yeah. is a little odd how that totally, completely gets dropped. Um, I mean, I guess because he thinks I have bigger things to deal with, like the lizard. Um, yeah. It is crazy that he seems to totally forget about it, but maybe it's like a matter of like him realizing, okay, no, seriously, this is not what it's about. This personal vendetta I have, you know, I mean, yeah. but I feel like, you know, he, I was like, did he totally move on from it or is it just on the back burner, you know? Um, and like yeah. when he tells the one guy like, oh, it would have been, could this could have been much worse for you, you know, if you had the star tattoo. Yeah. Um, and kind it's like, well, yeah, it is a dark line. What, what, what would he have done exactly? Exactly. And it is really emotional when I think about it because I, I had, hadn't remembered that, that Peter had let that guy get away in both versions. Um, and then he like immediately after, you know, it's like he doesn't do the right thing in that moment and it has tragic consequences that he could not see coming. Yeah. It's so heartbreaking and like sobering, you know, in terms of what, you know, responsibility about doing the right thing and everything. Yeah, he's in teenage La La Land in both uh, circumstances, you know, which, you know, he's young. We can forgive him for there. But of course, 
his uh, youthful arrogance there kind of backfired on him when he loses his uh, father figure. So messed up. Yeah. Also, does anyone have any comments about how Aunt May in uh, Homecoming is, like, young and hot? Like, what? Yes, I have thoughts. I mean... You know, nothing against Marissa Tomei, love her, but, um, you know, it's like, it takes away a, a, another role that could have been there for an older actress, you know? Um, yeah. Like, it didn't, it didn't have, like, she's, she's, you know, she had, in the comics, right? She's, like, clearly older. And, oh, yeah. yeah. Like, why did it, and, you know, and talking about Aunt May as a character in general, like, she just does not get as much screen time in any of these movies. Um and especially when I think about, like, uh, Sally Field, I'm like, what a powerhouse. Like, I know her as an actress, and I'm just like, how do you let her go to waste? Um, no kidding. Yeah. Um, also, shout out to Martin Sheen as Uncle Ben. I, like, didn't – I know him from Grace and Frankie, and, like, I didn't realize <laughs> that he was an amazing Spider-Man. And so seeing him in here, I was just like, oh, yeah, okay. Um, <laughs> It was fun, but um, I'm a big fan of him. <laughs> yeah, he was, was great. Um, and you know, I like I like the whole voicemail at the end. We start to hear, it and then we really hear the full thing at the end. Was very poignant. Yeah, um, yeah. Um, you know, but like, yeah. Going back to Aunt May though, real quick. I just like I think it's a shame that we don't get more of that relationship that she has with Peter in any of these versions. It's like kind of crazy. Yeah, yeah, I agree with that. Especially since they're left alone once Ben dies, you know? Yeah, you would think that that relationship gets closer. (sighs) On to the next subject. (laughs) Love. Bridget, you have a lot to say about this one. Yes. Oh, yes. How, where do I begin? (laughs) Start with Toby and Christian. Yeah. Okay, um... I think, oh, it's, yeah. Where do I begin? Okay. So, Peter and Mary Jane. Um, do not ship, will never ship this version. Uh, <laughs> that's that's my, you know, sum up. Um, it's so, it's so weird. Like, it's yeah. like, it's a one-sided, kind of creepy stalker vibe crush on peter's end and like i mean i already talked about how the movie opens and i'm already like i roll and you know, <laughs> you know but you see him like like the way he just that he looks at mary jane from like afar even up close like the like the stare like the look in his eyes he looks a little stalkery and a little like okay dude you could stop mm-hmm. staring and it made me uncomfortable and it, it happened multiple times at the and you know, just the way that he stared at her and oh, oh my gosh, <laughs> yes. Um, and I forgot about this. Um, that his win his bedroom window is right next to hers, and he's like undressing and looking at her, and like yeah. I'm just what other awkward, weird moments happened there? And like Ugh. you know, and she does not even like look at him, and then suddenly she does start looking at him and is attracted to him for reasons reasons um, yeah like like okay so the so the fact that he like uh he find he he catches her right after she finishes this audition 
And she's like, how'd you know I was here? Oh, well, your mom told my Aunt May. And I was like, and, you know, and she, and I was in the neighborhood. And she's like, you were in the neighborhood? And he's like, okay, I took two buses and a train to get here. So he at least admits <laughs> it. But yeah. um, uh, I also, it was also a little bit like, oh, okay, yeah. And then I did like this moment, though, because she had come out in a waitress outfit. And then she was kind of trying to hide it from him. And and then suddenly her boss comes out and gives her away, and you could see like her kind of crumble a little bit. But he was actually pretty good to her about it. Um, yeah. He was pretty yeah. nice about it. I did like that moment, just on a friendship note. Um, you know, and it's significant to me that she says, you know, Harry. I think Harry would look down on me for it, and you know, and you know that he would, judging yeah. from what you see in right. the rest of the movie. And so you know, and so like Peter's just like, no, you know, you're. <laughs> You're just living your life, you know. There's nothing to be ashamed of, and so I, I did appreciate that moment. But then after that, it just is this ongoing staring contest, and then you know, in the hospital, there's this really wooden love confession where he's saying all of these like, I don't even remember the dialogue. It was just so dull and flat for me. Like it, it didn't. Like, when I look into your eyes, it's like an ocean. Oh, that's what I told <laughs> Spider-Man about you. <laughs> Ugh. Yeah, that was weird. Yeah, and I'm like, so she likes this? You know, because she, I mean, she she dated Flash, and then she dated Harry, who were both jerks, and it's like, okay, maybe she's trying to swing the other way with a creepy nerd, okay? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and her confession to him at the end wasn't much better, truth be told. I know, that ends really sadly. <laughs> like, let me confess to you at a funeral. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. She's just like, yeah, you're the only one I wanted to be with. You're the only one that was always there for me and who likes me for me. And I'm like, uh, okay. What? Yeah. Yeah. A lot of problems there. And not to mention Harry's like over on the other side of the hill grieving his father. I know. (laughs) His dad just died. Hello. (laughs) Like I know he was an at a- you know a jerk to you earlier, but like <laughs> at least wait till after the funeral. <laughs> right, right. Yeah. So and they just didn't. I just didn't feel any chemistry between the two actors. I just felt like, how are they? Well, how is she attracted to him? I think was the real question. Um, and what does he really even know about her, other than just like you know seeing her dad you know be really horribly emotionally abusive and watch harry treat her like you know like a trophy girlfriend yeah basically yeah it was very reductive of you know mary jane like it, like we said like she's like the love interest character and that's just so not interesting well you know what too they mention how he's loved her since he was like you know six years old when she moved in and it just seems like you know it should have been more like um like the movie my girl you know like that young um, high school, you know, lovey-dovey kind of situation, but it wasn't. It was more just like I'm creepishly in the corner staring at my love, who I've loved for however long, and I've been looking at in a window <laughs> the last <laughs> ten years. You know, I I had expected them to have been friends, but then when I realized they weren't, I was like, oh, okay. Um, right. It's a little disappointing. Um, a little odd, but okay. You know. Yeah. Yeah. So. So anyway, we were not feeling that 
that love story. I mean, the upside down kiss is still pretty iconic, but it's kind of wasted. It's it's kind of wasted on this couple, unfortunately. I feel. <laughs> I, I agree. I agree. What an like that's such an awesome thing to take place <laughs> that I will probably attempt to do in my future. <laughs> just hang down upside like from your your bed or your couch and just like kiss me. Yeah, or like the monkey bars <laughs> on a playground or something. <laughs> oh my gosh! I'll be like, all right, I'm upside down. Let's do this. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, it was pretty funny. Um, uh, okay, so that's... I, I don't really want to talk about this couple anymore, so let's move on. Um, so I could not believe what a fresh breath of air Peter and Gwen felt like. <laughs> Two actors who actually had chemistry, first of all, and yeah. and who had, like, common interests, and you know, with, this, with science and with Oscorp and... You know, even just the way that they bantered with each other. Like, my favorite thing is banter. I could talk about it forever. Um, and I just love, I love this this one brief conversation that she has um, when he gets beat up. And, and she's like, what's your name? He's like, you don't know my name? <laughs> We've been in homework together for how many years? Or whatever he says. And she's just like, I, I know your name. I just want to make sure you know your name. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> And I was like, that's funny, you know, and this is, there's lots of these little back and forth between them, which is like actually feels flirty and you could see they have mutual interest in their eyes and, you know, and when they get to know one another, they act like partners. Like he tells her his secret, like she's the only one that he tells the secret to and, you know, and that he does, he kind of, he reveals his feelings and that he's Spider-Man in one move when she's walking away from him and they shoots out his web and like brings her in like a little twirl mm-hmm. and I was like. Oh man, that's pretty hot, actually. Yeah. Yes. Was, was. Oh my gosh. Like and- here, woman. <laughs> <laughs> but in a way that, like, you know, it was clear that she she did want it and she did was interested in him and did want to kiss him and did want to, you know, and like like it's just the mutuality. It's just so important for you to yeah. see. It was so nice. Um and like I, so anyway, so he tells her his secret though, and uh you know, and they're partners, like, you know, he, he calls her, like, about, like, make the antidote, you know, and go and, you know, do that, um, you know, to help me out, and while I try to track him down over here, and, you know, so, and he try, you know, and, and she risks her life, you know, to, to make sure the antidote happens, he even try to keep away that spray dispenser that, um, the lizard guy wants to use to disperse, you know, the, the biohazard all over the city, you know, and so she acts very brave and she has this heroic moment. And, but, you know, and, you know, even in the midst of having, you know, situations where Peter saves her, you know, he throws, I'm going to throw you out the window now. She's like, what? You know, um, <laughs> but this was off of the cuff of her, like hitting the lizard in the head to help Peter. And, yes. you know, it was like a nice mix, you know, it didn't feel super one sided that they were both helping each other out and coming, trying to come up with a plan. Yeah. You know, rather than just like the, you know, sticking to the damsel in distress trope. Oh my gosh. This is a woman of action. Yes. Yes. Brave action. So And awesome. she's not afraid to speak her mind. She regularly puts him like in his place with her words, which I love. <laughs> yes. I appreciate that she didn't out him when he snuck into the tour group as uh, Rodrigo. Like yeah. she's looking at him like, you are clearly not Rodrigo. But instead of, like, outing him or whatever, she just tells him, just stay with the group. You know, don't get me in trouble. Yeah. Oh, Doc Connors, he's, like, the second smartest in the class. And he's like, wait, second? And she's like, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah Too great. 
Yeah, see the, all these little one-liners that were so, so good. And yeah, real actual chemistry between the actors. Just like so many, so many things they actually got right, which I didn't like. Well, not that I didn't like them when I first watched the movie or anything, but I didn't remember how how good they were. Yeah, I, I I took for granted how good they were together. Yeah. Uh, it also uh, I add major points to the fact that we have Gwen Stacy like done right, you know, because I'm not sure if you guys remember the third movie of the Tobey Maguire series where she pops out, but I wasn't too fond of that iteration of her. Yeah. But they actually got her right in the Amazing Spider Man. She's his first love. She's his equal in every way imaginable. So introducing her here was an excellent way to do it and provided an excellent start to her character. Yeah, I agree with that. Yep. Okay. Yeah. So that's, those are my thoughts on the Peter and Gwen ship. And I like, I like them so much that I'm just like, Oh, amazing Spider-Man two. Never. I don't, I don't need to see her die. Um, no, it, it never happened. Never happened. <laughs> never, never happens. <laughs> Anyways, okay, so, oh, one thing I did want to mention, though, that bothers me about Peter and Gwen is uh, Peter makes that promise to Captain Stacy, you know, I mean, he, the man's dying, and he makes this, you know, dying man's wish is like, you know, protect my daughter, don't bring her into this, and, you know, and he nods, and then, you know, he doesn't go to the funeral, at least that she can see, and then, you know, but I like that she figured it out, what that was you know he he made you promise didn't he you know yeah and it was like i'm just so upset you know and like i'm not gonna you know it's like she's smart to figure it out and that she is brave enough to confront him about it was great but yeah. um yeah. you know with the very ending of the movie where the teacher tells peter like you know don't make promises you can't keep and then he's like but those are the best kind and i'm just but like those are the best kind that was a jerk move yeah. a jerk line despite her smile i no no that's one thing i'll never accept yeah, that really bothered me. Like, I I would have played that differently. Um, I'm not sure how exactly. I, I just know, like, you know, um, I don't know. I think I would have had them talk that out more where she's like, you know, I, like, that wasn't his, like, my father's, you know, decision to make and it's mine, you know, and and that whole thing. I don't know. In terms of, like, her taking agency over it, I think would have made me feel better about it, yeah. um, even though it still would have been wrong. Yeah. But, like, um you know, it's just, I don't know, the the carefree way he said it, it was just like, that just hit me the wrong way. Yeah, the execution was, it almost came out cocky. Yes. Yeah. He's more cocky in that film overall, though. Yeah, By the true. end of it, yeah. Um, okay, yeah, so that's, that's, that's Peter and Gwen. And then uh, Peter and Liz in, in Homecoming, it's, you know, it's more of the cute first crush versus first love kind of thing going on. And um, I hadn't realized this, that she was a senior and he was a sophomore. Um, and I was like, oh, okay. She's into, she, he's into older women. I get, I get it. Um, <laughs> um, <laughs> and, oh, thank you, Jen, for reminding me. Um <laughs> You know, he he tells uh, Karen, um, the suit lady voice, that AI. <laughs> oh my gosh, yes, yeah. You know, all about his crush on on Liz, and you know, uh, and you know, he's just, you know, the Karen's just trying to be helpful and supportive, and just like you should tell her, you know, and da da. 
And then, you know, he there's that scene where he rescues everybody in the elevator, including Liz, and they're staring at each other. And then Karen's just like, this is it. Kiss her, Peter. <laughs> Karen's a bro. I yeah. died. <laughs> I was all for Karen. <laughs> I was like, yeah. Oh, man. It was... It was so hilarious, and but you know, I I thought it was nice though that she, she I think noticed and you know how he was a nice guy, you know, and that, and you know also that I wanted to note that Spider Man rescues her and they have that staring moment, um, but she does like and even before that she had mentioned having a kind of a crush on Spider Man, but they don't actually touch it on it again. Even though he saves her life, she doesn't fall into this whole hero worship, hero crush thing. Yeah. At least not that after that, um, you know, and uh, not long after, I mean, like, I don't know if it's the next time we see her, but like, you know, it's Peter sort of trying to get back into normal life. And then he gets up the courage to ask her out, which was like pretty ballsy. And I thought it was yes. really cool of him. And, you know, he wasn't as smooth as, say, like the Andrew Garfield version, but like, um, he, like you know, it was still like charming in his own way. And you could tell that, you know, she kind of appreciate and recognize something good about him and was like yeah i'll go with you you know and it's like oh it's nice um so you know obviously that wasn't meant to be you know but um and you know he has this moment where you could tell that he's maybe tempted in telling her when she's gonna leave but at that point it's sort of like what is the point you know what will it change really yeah Um, and do you guys have any thoughts on it um on peter and liz's dynamic it was cute, but I already knew that wasn't meant to be. I just, even watching it the first time, I'm just like, I, it's cute, but it's not happening. I just, I know. Yeah. Even before we saw the twist that her dad's the villain, I'm like, yeah, this, it's not going to work. She's going to graduate and then, then what, you know? Right, right. Um, they but there is. Yeah, I think it was like, yeah. if they had gotten together, I would have been like, yeah, we, whatever. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, um, it there is a bit of foreshadowing though for for MJ for MJ, you know, it, at least on her end in terms of a one sided crush. You know, I'm yeah. not I'm not obsessed with him. I'm just observant. You know. <laughs> yeah. How the yeah, tables and, have turned. Yeah, you know, and like uh, you know, and that she goes to the detention allegedly to like watch people in despair or whatever, but it's just to watch Peter. Like, let's be honest. Yes. Yeah. Um, but. I, I like her so much more as as a love interest too. I'd actually compare her to Gwen, but I won't get into that because not until Homecoming. So or yeah, Far From uh, Home. Far From Home, yeah. Yeah. But yeah, so that those that's the love interest thing. Um, I yeah. Uh, I think that's all I had to say. Really, <laughs> I feel like in terms of like these three movies, like Peter and Gwen overall, I loved I loved them the best. Oh yeah, yeah they were real. So much chemistry and banter. Love it. All right, Maddie, you wanna we wanna talk about villains in the three movies? Yeah, let's get on to the nitty-gritty of the villains, opposite of who we love. <laughs> um, <laughs> unless you're me and Jen and you love like the you know anti-heroes. <laughs> yes. Um so one thing that we all noted and that we can see is a constant in the films across the board is Flash. And he's kind of like this subplot villain against Peter. Uh, we, you know, in, in the Tobey Maguire movie, he is really like an aggressive 
um, anti-hero. I mean, he's he's dating the woman that Peter loves. He beats him. He beats him up regularly. You know, he constantly is throwing these offensive, you know, snarks at him, and Peter just kind of like stands there defenseless <laughs> until he gets his powers. Um, and then, you know, in the Amazing Spider-Man, Flash is like this kind of jock type dude who we see transform into a kind of a cool guy at the end. When after Peter, you know, knocks him out, he learns respect, and then they have like this sort of understanding of each other. Um, yeah, but he is kind of like in that villain category because he's he's that overhanging, you know, bully type figure. Um, yeah, I, I do want to make a note, too, that, like, he approaches Peter very, like, almost uh, sensitively, you know, after his uncle's death, you know, yeah. that he's just like, yeah, bro, I'm sorry, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah, that was cool of him. He didn't kick the dog. He, like, he's like, nah, man, I, I get it, you know? Yeah, yeah, he was very, like, you know, understanding of that. And he wasn't so heartless, like, it seems like flashes in the first film. And then, yeah. you know, in Homecoming, Flash is that, like, geeky little kind of, what is, I, I can't even explain his personality. He's just so. He's like a rich boy nerd. Yeah. And he's bully. kind of just annoying and he's a bully and he says a lot of dumb stuff and he calls, he calls Peter, like, a, a name I won't say, but, <laughs> you know, he's, like, referring to him as a male appendage and <laughs> it's really, he's more just kind of like that that jerky um spoiled rich boys yeah spoiled kind of bully type but he isn't really threatening necessarily like he doesn't beat him up he's not bigger than peter he's not like this no he's just an annoyance gargantuan yeah he's just annoying but we do see him as a constant in all the films which i think is interesting you know he's represented in in some way shape or form um which i think there's significance to that in the fact that peter's dealing with real life bullies along with his superhuman or super non-human villains um which leads us to the first of the of the superhumans is green goblin um you know peter's best friend harry his father becomes green goblin he's kind of green goblin screwed himself really i mean he's the one who brought that upon himself he lost his company and he was afraid of you know i mean harry i mean harry's dad was this big fortune 500 type, you know, owner of a company, Oscorp was taken over by the board and they were going to take it out from under him. And this, you know, military guy comes in trying to purchase their gear and he's like, this is crap, you know, and doesn't want to do it. <laughs> and it's like his, his literally it's his life work. Everything is thrown in his face and he is desperate. And he, he chooses to do the experiment on himself. Um, and then we see, his entire psyche change. He's no longer like this smart, you know, wise uh, half father figure to Peter. Um, He's just this nasty, you know, mean guy. He's unhinged and he's dangerous. Uh, You know, we see him in that, that iconic scene where he's talking to himself in the mirror and there's two personalities in the conversation. And, you know, and, you know, he just transforms into this, you know, ghoulish type of person and you even see like his his grin change and the the way that he speaks through his eyes and and everything which i think is interesting Mm -hmm. um the development of his particular character i i actually really liked in the first film and i have to give them props for 
um, I, what's the actor's name? I can't remember his name. Willem Dafoe. He Willem did an Dafoe. excellent job. Yes. Congratulations to that guy. I mean, he did a really good job of representing, you know, a goblin, <laughs> a goblin type man, this ghoulish type of, you know, uh, and, and, he, you know, and he, he has that evil maniacal laugh that we mentioned and he just really yeah. pins it, you know? Um, seriously the, he got the voice down even when yeah. he's talking to himself in the mirror you see the difference like from norman's like oh my gosh what do i do what's happening to me to i'm giving you what we always wanted you know like yes. wow oh chills it's yeah. yeah it's totally to bring in a literary reference you know jackal and hyde situation yes um, yeah, yeah so. i thought that was a very it was a very excellent villain and like it's it's you know, and there's, you know, even in, as as a regular Norman, right, he's he's in a lot of ways an antagonist. You know, you watch him bond with Peter and then Harry just looks on and you're just like, oh, that's sad. And he dismisses Harry, you know, like so many times. Like, oh, you graduated. I guess there's a first for everything, you know, like, wow. Yeah. Okay. I hate you at the end of the movie where he's like. I haven't been there for you, Harry. And Harry's like, yeah, you're a busy man. I get it. He and actually... I'm like, oh my gosh, that's so sad. He's, you know, he's been ingrained to think that this is normal. Yeah. 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 Green Goblin, stellar villain, man. Yeah, stellar villain. Five stars from that film for the, yes. for the uh, antagonist. Hello, a uh, quick editor's note before we move on. I want to acknowledge how the plotline with Norman Osborn does unfortunately perpetuate the demonization of mental illness. There are real people who have similar lived experiences and they are not, nor should they be seen as villains or written off as quote-unquote crazy or maniacal. I acknowledge and apologize for some of the word choices we make in this episode about Norman Osborn, not because he is a good person at all, but just in terms of narratives about mental health. Anyway, we'll carry on with the episode antagonist and then we see in um the amazing spider-man dr connors aka lizard we don't really know what does he have a name i mean does he have like no he's just the lizard yeah he's always been the lizard lizard. he's just the lizard so this dude man he starts off as an already kind of um broken guy you know he's researching genetic mutation in order to regrow a limb for himself and he's, you know, kind of, dis- he's disabled. He has, you know, he's missing an arm and that's kind of his identity throughout the film. It's more about him. It's about achieving his life goal of regenerating um, human flesh. And his, his, his claim is that it's for the betterment of the world, you know, for soldiers and for people who have lost limbs. And it's actually, it's a really heroic pursuit. But yeah. it all goes badly when, you know, he turns it into a selfish pursuit and Peter solves the puzzle for him, for the equation. And he becomes this thing, you know, this is, he becomes this monstrous version of what he had originally intended because of the selfishness that I think it, it symbolizes for me it, because of the, self, the selfish motivation that he had. Um, he becomes this, this ghoul and um terrorizes people and completely loses sight of his his identity yeah Um, well i mean the thing is i feel like i mean what's hmm it it's like because he had lost his arm i don't he wasn't born that way because they were very specific in saying that he'd lost his arm 
Yeah. Um, you know, it was like that suddenly he's inadequate. It reminds me a little bit of the guy from Me Before You after the accident, the way he is just like, I'm worthless because I'm not this whole perfect human body. And right. mm-hmm. I, I do wonder if, uh, if any way that the story would have been told would have been different if it had been played by an actor who actually didn't have an arm versus, you know, uh, the special effects or whatever. Um, you know, but it's just like, wow, <laughs> you know, it, it's like, it's heartbreaking. And it's also just kind of like this whole like comp- complex question of like disability and identity and like what makes like a whole person, what makes like a healthy person. And, you yeah. know, yeah. And it's like not, you know, he doesn't, he never gets a chance to properly deal with that or come to terms with it. Yeah. Yeah, this guy is brilliant, and yet you got those dudes from Oscorp who say who are saying it's not enough when he probably has felt that way his whole life, you know? He doesn't need some suit to tell him that, you know? Right. Well, and, and he, he knew um, Peter's dad, who was conducting successful experiments, you know, and who created the spiders that, or, or at least discovered the capabilities of the spiders that enhance peter's abilities yeah it was the one thing he couldn't do yeah he couldn't enhance himself and he sees how it works for peter and and his dad's (laughs) research but you know time and again he fails so it you kind of feel bad for the man you just want to give him a hug and you just want to say we get you we're sorry you know (laughs) like dude you're still brilliant screwed over by norman osborne too like i mean he's not off screen yeah. but like it all happens because they're like this man is dying you need to do something now it's like whoa okay chill. yeah okay chill that sounds like a you problem <laughs> yeah oh. he has a lot of weight on his shoulders yeah he uh, gets incarcerated by the end of it you know there's actual consequences there yeah yeah we see that he you know he doesn't get killed off he just he literally goes back to being who he was as the scientist and then is in a cage. <laughs> yeah. But yeah. Has that other voice and there's another character that gets introduced in that scene too. So I'm not sure what happens. So much there. intrigue. Yeah. yeah. But I want to say too, though, that he saves Peter too. Um, yes, at does. the end. In the yeah. Final yeah. He sort of redeems himself. Yeah, and he insists that the man in the shadows leave Peter alone. Like, no, just leave him alone, you know? Right. The man in the shadows just like, nah, bro. <laughs> yeah. Love the amazing Spider-Man. Yeah, and speaking and then, of, you know, who goes to jail, Tombs from Homecoming, you know, he's actually uh, Liz's dad. And... Um, Oh, yeah. I wanted to mention, too, that if anyone noticed that all the villains that Peter comes across in these three films are people that are either related to him in some way or know him from a past event or are somehow closely connected to Peter. Like, he somehow has been introduced to them prior to actually meeting them. And, or, or you know, like in in The Amazing Spider-Man, Dr. Connors was his dad's partner you know, in, in Tobey Maguire films, obviously it's Harry's best, you know, it's Harry's dad. So like, there's a reason for him to know each of these people. And Toombs is kind of like this, um, 
I know how to explain it, but it's like there's a person between the two of them, and then he never really gets the fact that he knows him until you know we see him go to the, the dance with his daughter, <laughs> and then she yeah, wow, yeah, that whole thing we'll talk about later. But um, I just wanted to mention that there's a lot of relation to Peter, like all of the villains in his life are close by. It's yeah, like the, there's personal proximity. Yeah, it, there's personal stake involved. Yes. Yeah. So the Vulture um, is his nickname, and he's kind of like this, I mean, you know, he's kind of like a businessman, you know? He's more of a villain that, that starts off as a businessman, and then the money and the power goes to his head. Because he's, he's kind of just a mechanic. He finds these cool toys from the aliens leaving their stuff on Earth after the whole, you know, Avengers War or whatever, and, or that, that one particular battle, and... And he starts to yeah. realize that. He's like, oh, this is an opportunity. And then that that whole damage control steps in and they're like, no, we're going to take over here. And he's like, no, you're not. You know, he sounds like a typical <laughs> um, anarchy, you know, anarchist type of character where he's like, no, I'm not going to let the government tell me what to do. You know, and but also he well, it's not even just the government. It's Tony Stark. It's his damage control operation that yes. takes over. He was screwed over by the rich dude. Yes, he was. He was, and he wanted to support his family, or at least that's what it started off to sound like. Um, you know, he was trying to make money for his, his daughter and his wife, whom he loves. And in that way, we kind of feel sympathy for him because we understand that he is, he has been trot, you know, trotted on by the rich and he has a motivation to provide for his family and to, you know, be an honorable man. Um, but he's dealing these illegal weapons on the side and these yeah become, you know, the main component of the plot which is you know peter discovering these weapons and how dangerous they are and, and fighting the guys that have them and realizing that this is like this is something shady you know and so the vulture is kind of like over the film becomes this sort of evil intended person um out of just being money hungry and being uh prideful He's just a really prideful villain um, and desperate. <laughs> you know, yeah. He's, he's desperate to get something out of what life has to offer right now. Yeah. So I think he's an interesting um, villain. I, I, I wouldn't even call him necessarily a villain. I would just say he's just a guy that's kind of making the wrong choices, you know, which mm -hmm. kind of seems like what happens with Doc Connors and with, um, Norman Osborn, you know, there it's all these, the, each individual just kind of goes through their whole process of dealing with disappointment. Um, yeah, no kidding. Happens, huh? I never noticed that. Yeah. And it just, he just happens to deal with it in a more aggressive, um, <laughs> money making type way. And, and yeah. his, his villainy is really done in his business. Because everything's done in secret, you know, no one really, no one's directly affected other than when he like shoots one of his guys that works for him. No one's directly oh my affected gosh. or killed by him. He's just dealing weapons that he's developed over time. And, you know, he doesn't see himself as this bad person necessarily. Nah, right. this is just a guy who wanted to provide for his family until he decides to sp send out these weapons that are a danger to everybody. Right. Including his own daughter, but yeah, he doesn't think about that, you know? No, it's all self-motivated. Yeah. 
Still surprised that he kept uh, Peter's secret, you know, when he's in jail. Yeah, that moment where the guy who, well, who is it, Nacho? <laughs> well, he's Nacho, Nacho and from... Dad, but <laughs> that other guy oh who, gosh, was, yes. who was there in the beginning and he gets caught and then he's like, we're going to take this dude out, you know? And he's like, if I knew who he was, he'd be dead by now. And that was such an interesting moment, you know, because Peter saves him at the end of the movie. So you uh-huh. just kind of see them have this like resolution. <laughs> <laughs> I, I kind of enjoyed I liked I liked the resolution I think sometimes when they leave it with a cliffhanger like he's still mad at him you know we're like oh okay great we're gonna see another film with that whole dynamic <laughs> I don't yeah it's gonna bite us later yeah I don't necessarily see a promise of that though in this film I think that they you know they've resolved the issues between the two of them he's he's in jail now he's taking the penance for his sins and <laughs> it's the end of the story um but overall an interesting interesting villain character i would like to mention too that in all the films spidey gets his butt handed to him in each of the climax fight scenes i mean yeah kicks the crap out of him or green goblin rather and then we see the lizard you know throw him and toss him and like you know, go Godzilla on him. (laughs) oh my gosh yes and then tombs you know with the whole bringing him up into the sky and you know using all those fancy weapons against him and fighting him and then like trying to get away and his suit you know is about to blow up and all that stuff like it it, spidey just gets his butt handed to him a lot especially it i think it was harder for me to watch in homecoming though because he's so much younger like Mm. at heart you know oh my gosh innocent kid he's like literally beating the crap out of the kid yeah (laughs) yeah he he, he sucks they all suck in that in that moment they do but you know it's so crazy like they all hurt to watch but me personally i'll I'll always find it hard to watch uh spidey getting his butt handed to him by the green goblin that that one always hurts me yeah that one's really intense which is funny for a movie that actually didn't have a lot of action in it but the what the scene that they do have is actually pretty impact it has pretty big impact yeah. yeah wow yeah I think yeah three that had the least amount of action but it was yeah that was an impactful scene yeah um so it's kind of springboarding off of the whole villain talk um like there is a moment where every one of the villains figures out peter parker's identity you know spider-man's identity as peter parker and <laughs> it was really funny actually to track and compare those moments. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Um, the first one being in the <laughs> in Spider Toby, where you know <laughs> he has that confrontation with the Green Goblin, and then he's meeting everyone for Thanksgiving dinner, and like they hear him in his room, and they come up, and like Peter's on the ceiling, you know, watching, hoping they go away. And then you see that, like, his arm is bleeding and there's a big fat red droplet that's coming down. And then everyone else except Norman Osborn leaves. And then the the drop of blood, you know, he's about to walk away. And then the blood drops on the ground. And it's a big splat. It kind of looks like a mound of ketchup, honestly. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and, like, <laughs> but, like, somehow this blood splat just, like, what? What was that? And he looks at the floor and I'm like, oh, it's the ketchup blood. I wonder where that's coming from. And he looks up at the ceiling, but Peter, by that point, Peter has like climbed out and out the window. And 
you know, so there's that moment and it already feels a little like, what, how did he hear that? Is it like the goblin abilities? What's going on there? And then then, like, they're at the dinner table and then it's like, oh, Peter, you're bleeding through your sleeve, you know? And and, like, he, he opens it up and like, he hadn't bandaged his arm and... Like no, you didn't even like bleed through the bandage. Like it, it, it was just like the bare arm, and he hadn't wrapped himself. And then, you know, so like you see the look in Norma Osborn's eyes, like you know, just like Spider Man was bleeding. This guy's bleeding on, you know, yeah. <laughs> there was that blood on the floor. He's Spider Man. I'm just like, I'm not trying to connect the dots. <laughs> yeah, super long shot there. It really was. I was just like. Yeah, I mean, the question of paranoia, I guess, is a real one, but it's, it's like, it was just so weird. Like, I'm like, how do you conjecture that from, like, a drop of blood that you really realistically shouldn't have heard in the first place? (laughs) (laughs) Exactly. It was so ridiculous. Um, yeah, but then in the, in the next one, in The Amazing Spider-Man, it's even, like, it's It's like a Yeah, <laughs> at least it's more realistic, though. Um, <laughs> Realistically stupid. Yeah. <laughs> oh, my gosh. The dude left his cameras out, and his cameras have his name on it. Dude, come on. <laughs> so yeah. funny. He's, like, trying to get evidence of the lizard man, and so he, like, webs it up to the wall, and they have their fight, and he leaves it behind, and so the lizard gets in and sees Peter Parker with his address and phone number and social security number (laughs) the one time we see the camera and it works against him (laughs) yeah um (laughs) you know and like that's like that's how he finds out that that's you know peter parker's spider-man just like that's dumb peter that was just dumb dang it peter come on (laughs) so you know at least it wasn't unrealistic but um, it was also just kind of like, come on, Peter, you idiot. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but the f- favorite version definitely was um, Tombs putting, actually putting two to two together with actual real life logic. Um, Jed, <laughs> yeah. walk us through it. You, you explained it beautifully when we were talking about this offline. All right, so Toombs is, like, trying to have a conversation with Peter as he's driving him and Liz to the dance, you know. And Liz, you know, she doesn't realize what's going on, but she's like, oh, yeah, he has a Stark internship. And I see Toombs, like, kind of have that look like, huh, you know. Oh, he's good friends with Spider-Man. He is, you know. Oh, yeah, you know. Oh, it must have been cool to have him save you guys at Washington, D.C. Uh... Uh, I was on the ground watching, but yeah, it was it was so cool, you know. And you see the cogs in his head turning, you know. Yeah. Not to mention Peter's panic on his face. Yeah, Peter wasn't very good at hiding his panic. Like he had this oh crud look since the moment Tombs opened the door to him. Right. 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 Yeah. yeah. And like, and even before, you know, Liz starts, you know, talking about the Stark internship and Spider-Man, like he had been saying, like, I feel like I've heard your voice before, you know? Yeah, that was just like, oh, he's got him. He's got him. And Toombs is not an idiot. He like clearly had all these facts. He had him boggling in his head. And finally, he's just like, now I know this guy. Yeah. Oh. Uh. And it made sense. You saw the progression. 
It wasn't a little drop of blood and it wasn't like slapped on Spider-Man's belongings there. No, this this guy used actual logic to figure out, hey, wait a minute. This kid is Spider-Man. Huh, yeah. okay then. Right. Right, and it's like, it's not Peter's fault. How is he to know, you know? just He's just bad poker player. Um, he really is. You could read his face, that sweet baby. Yeah. But that's why we love him. That's why we yes. love him. Speaking of loving Peter, though, let's talk about the bromances. All right. So one thing I had mentioned before that in the comics, Peter is actually doesn't have a lot of friends, you know? But Harry Osborn was one of the constants. He was always a friend of Peter's in the comics. And it was cool to see Harry in uh, Spider-Toby and everything. Like, awesome work, James Franco, truly, you know. But Maddie pointed out, like, how are they friends? Like, what do they have yeah. in common? They, like, talk to each other. And Bridget, you mentioned there was, like, a half-hearted attempt at Harry defending Peter during the field trip when the bullies are messing with him. Yeah. But otherwise, Harry, like, is watching Peter get lavished with all this attention and praise from his own dad. And then Harry notices that the girl of Peter's dreams break up with uh, her longtime boyfriend and literally swoops in to woo her. Like, and doesn't even tell Peter after. Like, doesn't mention while they're living together, like, hey, I'm dating the love of your life. Sorry, bro. You know? Yeah. And he even kind of tries to turn it around on Peter. Like, dude, you never made a move, you know? Uh, doesn't justify you not telling him <laughs> exactly you know and even during like their the funeral for Norman Osborne he tells Peter like you're the only family I have left and I'm like how were you family before like Maddie you were especially adamant about that like you, I think you kept pointing it out uh, throughout the movie like wait how are they friends right yeah how did that even get established <laughs> Because like, he wasn't even talking. Like, he barely spoke to him. And when he did speak to him, he was a jerk. He wasn't his neighbor like MJ was. So it didn't make any sense. Like, why are they even together, you know? I don't even know. But, like, uh... Romance gone wrong, I guess. Yeah. Unfortunately, in an amazing Spider-Man, Peter doesn't quite have any friends. Like, no Harry Osborn, uh, no Liz Allen, who he's friends with, sort of, in the comics. Like, no one, really. You see that he's a total loner until Gwen starts talking to him. Right. And we do see that he bonds with Dr. Connors once the two officially meet and discuss all science-y and everything. Yeah. So, by the end of that movie, he only kind of has two friends. If, well, Flash was friendly to him, but I'm not even sure if I would call them friends at the end of it. Yeah. Yeah, they really hit it hard with this kid's a loner. And then we go total 180 with uh, Homecoming with Peter and Ned Leeds, which best bromance ever. Yeah, oh so cute. my gosh. I don't know whose idea was it to bring Ned Leeds into here, but thank you. Oh my gosh. They are so cute and geeky together, like talking about Star Wars, which references I finally understand now. <laughs> They're building a Death Star, you know, and Ned's just like geeking out over his Spider Man ness and trying to help him win over Liz. Oh. And he's his man in the chair. Yes. Oh he my gets- gosh. Yeah. He gets his hero moment to shine too, you know? Yes, he does. He saves him from the shocker, which, wow, mm-hmm. stupid name. <laughs> 
but actual yeah. villain in the comics. But and oh my gosh, he's such a sweetie. Like doesn't even get mad when Peter bails on him at that high school party to go stop the bad guys. Mm. He's just more like, shoot, are you okay, dude? You know where were you? You know, yeah. And helps him hack into the Tony Stark suit. You know, casually. Casually, thank you. And they're just, they're so wonderful together. You actually see them have stuff in common. They're both smart and part of the decathlon team. They like doing Legos together. They like nerding out together. They are so wonderful together. Just true bro right there. True bros. Yeah, they're they're the cutest. (laughs) I love them so much. And speaking of guys we love, Bridget, would you like to talk about our cameos? Yes, Stanley cameos. Rest in peace, Stanley. We love seeing you in every Marvel movie. Um, yes. So I just, yeah, brief shout out to to his appearances here in Spider Toby. He's at the Unity celebration as a helpless bystander during the Goblin attack. It's a very brief moment. You almost, if you blink, you'll miss it. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, I don't remember him really having dialogue in that one. And then my uh, in the Amazing Spider Man, this one's like one of my favorite Stanley cameos of all time. Same. Uh, where he's, working in the library and playing classical music on his headphones while Spider-Man's fighting the lizard in the background. He has is no like, idea what's going on. It's fantastic. Yeah. The contrast is just so hysterical, and I just loved it so much. So definitely a favorite. But uh, and, and then in Spider-Man Homecoming, he was the neighbor in the window when the car alarm went off, and then he, and he actually gets his name. His name is Gary. And He's Gary. Yeah. So it's fun. Uh, Stanley is such a king, man. Love it. Love him. The man who started it all gets his own little spotlight. Uh, Love it. As he should. As Mm -hmm. he should. And so, you know, like all three of these movies, like have the same character and the same concept. But you notice that their adaptation of Peter Parker's character is pretty different in each of these films. Like you got Tobey Maguire, who does not look like he belongs in high school, you know. (laughs) He's got this creepy vibe about him, always staring at uh, Mary Jane and just kind of awkwardly bumbling through. He even mentions, I hunch. Like, what? (laughs) Sure. Great. You got Andrew Garfield, who's charming. Like, he's awkward in, like, that socially awkward Peter Parker-ness kind of way, but definitely not in a creepy way, I'll tell you that. He's, He's charming, you know? When he's, like, talking to Gwen and he's trying to ask her out, he stumbles, of course, like every guy flustered over of a pretty girl does, you know. But it comes off charming. It doesn't come off weird. It's just like, oh, your first crush, you know, kind of thing. And then you got Tom Holland, who's the youngest of all of them, and actually looks like he belongs in high school and is adorable to the max. Always rambling, and he is awkward, but, like, in that cute, flustered, youthful kind of way. So it's interesting to see their different takes on Peter Parker, because they each, like, are Peter Parker, you know? They each are, like, this awkward teenager that's trying their best to understand their powers and where they fit in and everything. It's, like, none none of their interpretations are perfect, per se, but they each have pieces of the original Spider-Man. And as someone who read the comics and watched like a lot of the TV shows growing up, I would say personally that I think that Andrew Garfield is the closest to the comic book version of Spider-Man. Like he's sciencey, he has an interest in photography, he's awkward, he's intelligent, he just wants to do the right thing, but he's still young. 
it's just I think personally he's the closest interpretation, but that's just my opinion. Oh, what do you gals think? Valid. <laughs> Yay, <Yeah>. validation. <laughs> well, you were talking too about his snarkiness. Mm-hmm. That's a big one. Spider-Man is famous for his snark because before like Spider-Man was an actual character, all these superheroes were very straightforward or very dark. Like even some of the old Marvel characters like uh, Tony. Yeah, Tony's kind of snarky too, but like not quite in the way that Spider-Man ever was. Like in in Peter's life, he was always snarky. Like you see it a lot in the comics before he has his powers, but that's how he dealt with Flash and other bullies. Like he knows he can't fight them back, doesn't even want to try to even if he could, but instead like throws out this deadpan snark humor, you know, that way you get the jocks scratching their heads. And then it just transfers over and kind of blossoms as Spider-Man, you know? He's always snarking at the villains, like partially as a way to keep himself lighthearted, like, shit, I could die at any moment. Nah, let's screw that. Ha, you're stupid, you know? And wow, good job. Wow, you know? It's his character. It's who he is. The snark is who he is. And beforehand i mentioned not a lot of superheroes had that like you have like captain america who's like very straightforward and a goody goody you've got superman who's basically the same and you got like batman who's just like all dark and sullen and everything i'm batman i'm batman and then you've got uh, spider-man who's just swinging all over the place like hey man yeah how's it going friendly neighborhood spider-man you know, it's pretty cool, you know, and I think Andrew Garfield does that pretty well. Yeah. He had that snark going for him as Peter Parker, you know, when Flash is picking on him, he's like, yeah, good morning to you too, Flash, you know. And then, of course, when he's messing with that car thief, like, why are you dressed as a car thief, you know? Oh, man. Oh, no. Small knives, my one weakness, you know? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I love his humor in that one. Yeah. Granted, Toby and Tom have a bit of snark in them, too. Uh, More Tom Holland, I think. Like, his interaction with the robber Avengers in the bank or whatever. He's just like, wait a minute. You know, you guys aren't the real Avengers. You know, that was a definite moment of snark. But you don't quite see it in his his interpretation of Peter Parker. Not really, anyways. Mm. And then Toby Maguire, he does more staring than snarking. Yeah. Well, that's all my thoughts. You girls have any other final thoughts? Uh, no, I think I caught it all, all out of my body. I feel I exhausted. I am. <laughs> I'm like, wow, we've been through the three films and we've we've come to our we've come to our knowing. Yes, yes, we have. After a lot of talking, a lot of watching, a lot of pausing and rewinding and laughing and pointing stuff out and writing stuff down. Oh my goodness, yeah. Yes. So, final final thoughts though and or final opinion um in terms of which one's your favorite? Subjectively speaking, Spider Toby will always be my favorite. It was my childhood and I still love it even though like I can point out its flaws. I will admit to that. In an objective sense, The Amazing Spider-Man did so damn well and I have a new appreciation for it yeah I would say I I there's a lot of nostalgia involved with spider Toby for me too and I did love that film and all the the subsequent films after involving him but 
I have to say, like, after seeing all three and comparing just that first origin story between all of them, The Amazing Spider-Man took it home for me because of just, I don't know, it just seemed like that particular adaptation of, of Peter Parker was more um, appealing to me. He seemed more witty and more, um, you know, science-y and everything just seemed to make more sense in that film for me as far as like why Peter is who he is and um, why the people around him are who they are. And just overall, I liked that one better. Um, it appealed to me the most. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Yeah, I think I think uh, Amazing Spider-Man hit it out of the park for me. And I just didn't expect that. I didn't Neither. expect to come out of it saying that Amazing Spider-Man was a favorite movie. Especially because like, Tom Holland's portrayal of Spider-Man is very near and dear to my heart. I just love his portrayal. Um, I think that sort of male character is always my favorite. Like the Sunshine Boy. Yeah. And just like, I just have a spot, soft spot for that kind of character. But I think just overall, in terms of like storytelling and character development and, you know, romantic lead chemistry and just overall, you know, um, you know, humor and, you know, it actually the Spider Man movie is, the Spider Man from uh, Homecoming movie is pretty funny, but like Peter Parker himself is really funny in Amazing Spider Man, which I love. Right. And, you know, I think. Yeah, I think it was a solid film and there was like new questions and intrigues also built in with the whole dad mystery and yeah. you know that made me want more and I really I really liked that and I just I remember I had seen the film and it like like Jennifer had said earlier I was like yeah you know it didn't majorly impress me um but now I'm watching it and comparing it to the other iterations and I'm just like wow no really like this they they got a lot of things right here yeah. Uh, at least for me personally and what I enjoy from a superhero movie what I enjoy about Spider-Man as a character um, I just liked it a lot and I definitely if I had the chance I'll watch it again you know uh, and I just did not I didn't expect to come out saying that honestly and but here I am yeah I kind of dismissed it before we just started to watch all these like yeah I remembered the feeling I had and I was ready to be like, all right, you know, it's a Spider-Man movie. Let's do this. By the end of it, I'm just like, how did I not realize how good this was? Yeah. Yeah. But I'm glad, though. I'm glad that I have this newfound appreciation for it and a newfound appreciation for Andrew Garfield, too. Definitely the hottest of the Spider-Man actors. Am I right? Yeah, oh, my gosh, yes. Oh, yeah. He's more than just man meat. He's gorgeous. And wonderful and smart and snarky and gorgeous. Yeah. I like his personality. I just think he's so charming. He is. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Yep. I was feeling it. It was good the whole time. Yep. All right. Well, okay. I don't, I don't think I have anything else to add. What about you guys? Nope. Nope. All right. Well, thanks again, guys, for listening to, to our rant and our love for, for all the Spider-Men. And we hope you can uh, join us again next time on Nerd Alert. Alert. Bye. 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 Adios.